You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, and this is my co-host, Jason Carey. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, you know, I am better than I was the day before, and I hope to continue to be better the day after that. You know why I'm better? Why's that? Because we're officially live. It's, oh, it's ironic because technically this will be weeks after this statement, but uh, we have officially been able to launch the podcast. We've had nothing but positive reviews so far, and that normally happens when you release it to your family and best friends so that, you know, <laughs> they can't give you nothing but positive praise. Um, no, I'm kidding. We've, uh, we've been able to, to launch it to our Rhode Island uh, FC fans. It's so far been a really great job. In terms of receiving uh, constructive criticism, um, just support and love, I, I was really kind of nervous because, you know, nobody wants to put something they work so hard out and, and hear negativity. But either you are all, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, listeners, fantastic liars, and I appreciate your your lie, your continued lie, and please keep it up. It's what will fuel me. Um, and I, I just really want to thank everyone that's been a part of this journey so far, and and really, really excited to continue to bring you Rhode Island FC content. Jason, how do you uh, have you heard anything negative? Have, has your parent have your parents said mm, this is not so good? <laughs> no, but you know how like when you do something embarrassing, they're like, no one will ever remember that except for you, and then it keeps you up at night all the time. Haunts my dreams. <laughs> I think it was like the last episode where, like, off the cuff, I was just I don't know what we were even talking about, but just like made a formation out of my head. And I realized, like, that's not enough players. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they think I'm an idiot. On the playback, um, I listened delete to that. It, delete it, delete it. And I, I, uh, I, saw, I, I heard that, and I was like, ooh, I, um, I should take this I out. But I also... I suffer from that. foot and mouth disease. I've been diagnosed by my doctor. I have decades to live. Is, <laughs> is the cure more cowbell? Like what, I mean, that's a real disease, but... Incurable. Incurable. Okay, okay. Yeah, just just suffering a lifetime of just like, wow, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, no, we're really excited. Uh, everything is now officially live. So for listeners that are just joining us, um, you can find us on, obviously, whatever you are listening to, but if you use or prefer a different app or experience uh it should be on just about every single platform that exists in the podcasting space and if we aren't on that particular service that you'd like to see us on let us know we can only deliver where we know we are missing um the website is up and running we've made a couple jokes uh but that's up there's a there's a couple of different links in there uh there's also a, a shop we are not going to promote anything to you guys yet that comes when we start to get desperate for server costs and, and all of that jazz. So maybe like next episode, we'll, we'll see what happens. But i um, super excited that this is really an official thing. And I kind of want to begin with an ironic continuation from the last episode where we joked about when and how would we potentially run into Coach Kano. So do you want to share that story? Yeah, I mean, we were just over in the park and then... Uh... Little, little though I know, you just turn and run over to some guy with a giant dog. 
And I was like, is Matt going to steal this guy's dog? What's going on? That was your first thought, <laughs> that I was going to in the middle of daylight. I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize him. I don't know. He, had, he had the hat on and, you know, just it didn't click. I only recognized him because of his dog. If I hadn't seen that dog, he's got a very distinct dog. I don't, I don't know. Is it a Doberman? It's not a Doberman. I'm not good with dog breeds. We'll I have to ask know. him without doing any research. But yeah, I saw him. He, I bro- I just ran straight up to him like I was a, a kid wanting an autograph, asking for triumph. <laughs> so I th- I honestly think he when it, when I approached him so fast, I think he was like, oh man, this guy obviously knows who I am. And he wants to ask about tryouts, but little did he know, like when you weigh 260 pounds and you're, you know, not in the best shape and you know, you're also six foot three, like he, he's probably like, how am I going to tell this big guy that this is not going to happen? <laughs> Sunday league for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So and then I was so dumb. Like I started talking, didn't even look in his ears cause he had like a hat down low and uh, which is the celebrity thing. I mean, he's a celebrity of Rhode Island now, right? Like that's the celebrity thing to do. Not because it was just super sunny and hot out. But he had ear, he had the AirPods in, and I was like just talking, like, "Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to meet you." And he's like, "Hold on," took his AirPod out. What, how can I help you? <laughs> so like, let me start again. Um, but the funniest thing is when we just quickly um, started talking. You just popped up on my right shoulder, scared the just crept up heck out of nowhere. Yeah, like I was, I was like, like, "Is that who I think it is?" <laughs> So just I think slithering my way over there. I, I scared Coach. You scared me. It was a it was a perfect perfect symphony. But uh, so, anyways, really excited. We got a quick chance to talk to him. We didn't obviously want to disrupt him too much. Didn't get to ask where his favorite his favorite eating place or coffee is yet. But um, he was really uh, super appreciative of our conversation and said he would be more than willing to be interviewed and be on the podcast as soon as possible. So we are uh, intentioning to connect with him before we start hearing about the, you know, the roster builds and, and some of the tryouts that will happen and the signings. So stay tuned for that. But that was really excited. So we're going to have to set up like a sub channel of like Kano in the wild. <laughs> yeah. So like, like you had mentioned to me off pod, we, you just want to make sure we're doing this the right way. We're, we're communicating through the cub to set, set all this type of stuff up here. Right. So we can try and get as many of these people in and, and talk to them about, you know, the club. Yep. And the list continues to grow. We've had some amazing conversations with the organization now. Uh, big shout out to Stephanie. I won't, I won't say her last name so she doesn't have to get, you know, Google Docs or anything like that just yet. Um, but she's been really a great champion of, of connecting us and, and getting us in the right positions and places to uh, help out with the team. Um, and yeah. And so just one other thing before we jump into this women's world cup, I mean, it, by the time listeners hear this, it's going to be the final the next day. But like, how much fun is it to have soccer going on again at the international level in the, in the middle of this you know summertime? I, I'm I'm digging it. I, I love it. It's good. I'm always I'm always down to see the uh, U.S. women's. It's it's always funny seeing like ranks number one. It's like oh yeah, I guess we're we're pretty good at this one. <laughs> <laughs> the men just sit there tight lipped like oh, yeah, don't pay attention I mean, to our they, ranking they, at the time. They creep into the ten, but like. You know, they're overhyped a little bit, let's be honest. So, so you had a really interesting take. So I've been watching, like, the games where I can't. I, I don't really love the schedule. It's not always, like, the Portugal-America game, which we don't know yet because we'll be recording before that. It's at 3 a.m., so I... Yeah, I don't, I don't know where we're going to... Where's the where's the watch party at, guys? Let us know. <laughs> we're out of the seat. Tell us where the watch party is. We'll be there. Uh, or I guess we were there, maybe. Who knows? But um, I've been watching the games where I can. Otherwise, it's been the highlights. 
been Brazil, like, holy cow, Brazil has been on a tear. There's been some amazing new teams that are making first-time appearances. But I wanted to really quickly touch on what you shared about the Philippines. So do you want to do you want to go through what you? Yeah. Learned? So I I wish I I would have saved it. I could have brought it up, give them uh, credit for it. But uh, I saw a post on Reddit about where a lot of the players were from, and um, like half of the Philippine national team, they're they're all from America. There's actually they did um, they did city and state, and there's a New England had a pretty good representation. Right. That's all like and then that's the crazy thing about when you are number one, the quality that you have to be able to produce to get to that team is substantially harder than being the best in maybe a lesser country. And it reminds me as like a complete opportunity with the men's national team where you go back to like rewind the clocks to 2014 and you've got, you know, hey, American soccer isn't good enough. Let's find those dual citizens who can't make it into the Germany squad, the Netherlands squad, but they have dual citizenship. Yeah, when so Klinsmann let's bring was here. like trying to pull everyone from all over the world to kind of, in his in his eyes, kind of like up the talent of the team. Right. So, but for the women's group, it's the complete opposite, right? Like we have so much talent, you'll never get playing time with us, but you maybe could be a rock star and you know go into one of these other teams. And I, I died because when you had mentioned the Philippines, I distinctly remember in the opening of the game, there was this one tall woman. Like, and I mean, when I mean tall, I mean the average height of the Philippine squad isn't as tall as like your American or Netherlands squad. And there was this, just this white woman towering over the rest of her team. I was like, how <laughs> did that? Like, and then I instantly knew, like, even before you shared this, I was like, oh, that, that's exactly what this is. So, um, but you know, I, again, don't care. Great, it's great to be watching soccer, competitive, international. You know, wear the crest. So, I, I don't know if our ladies made it because again, it's the final tomorrow. I'm only hoping that we're continuing the the mean streak of yeah, defense uh, of the Portugal title. Portugal just beat um, Vietnam, so so it's a must win then. Yeah, it depends well, on the. It, no, it's a must because we can't tie. Well, we could tie yeah, and we get goal difference. You don't want but, to to go into a game with that mindset, right. thinking like, oh, well, maybe if we get a draw on the other. You know, game goes our ways. Like, no, right? You must win. Well, and but, actually, the Netherlands are in two ties, right? No, they beat Portugal one zero, so they are. So everyone, as of this moment, has to win their. They all have to go in and win their game, except for Vietnam. So, whatever the outcome was, you already know this, listeners. We're really excited. We hope that we're going to be able to see the women uh, defend the crown um, in the final tomorrow morning. But uh, like, maybe it was two other random teams, right? So. Who knows? Um, but good stuff either way. So, so Jason, do you want to? We speaking of like other news though outside of the Women's World Cup, we also have some really exciting news to be able to share about Rhode Island FC. Um, do you want to read us through what's going on in Rhode Island FC with some of our newest uh, technical additions? All right, here. So we got some technical staff additions. So Rhode Island FC continues to accelerate plans for the 2024 USL Championship season. Head coach and general manager Kano Smith announced two additions to the club's technical staff today. Sean Carey will serve as the club's assistant general manager, and Jason Gove will serve as the head of team administration. Sean Carey is an accomplished player-focused coach. He's a three-time first-team All-American collegiate soccer player and past USL Coach of the Year finalist, 2006. Carey holds a management role with the New England Soccer Club League and founded CM8 Soccer. Um, 
You know what that one is? I have no idea. We're going to have to learn we'll more about it. figure what that is. Which provides progressive soccer organization and facilities across the country. Okay. Just here it is. <laughs> Should have kept, <laughs> kept going. <laughs> Which and facilities across the country to facilitate pos- positive developmental experiences for leagues, clubs, teams, players, and families. Carrie will support Coach Smith with player scouting and development and other front office duties. Jason Gove is a longtime Rhode Island resident and spent nearly a decade with the New England Revs, including five years as the club's director of soccer operations. Gove received the MLS Team Administrator of the Year Award in 2013 and the MLS Operations Staff of the Year Award in 2016. Gove left Foxborough to serve as the director of athletics for Smithfield Public Schools, a position he held until signing on with Rhode Island FC. As the head of team administration, Gove is responsible for organizing and overseeing all of the team logistics. I, what are your initial thoughts? I, I love these pickups. These are the kinds of signings that you want to see for a club that wants to build a winning infrastructure. But what do you think? Yeah, I think we're, on paper, it looks like we're making some smart moves. I think Super we're... Super smart moves. We're, we're going out and getting, like, people with pedigree who from what I can tell, look like, you know, they have the experience and hopefully they know what they're doing so that we're not going to come out of the gates as, you know, like, oh, we'll figure this out. Like, it it seems like, you know, by the time the season starts next season, like, we'll kind of already, you know, like the group RFC will know what they are. Yeah, and I've I've mentioned this in previous episodes. I think there's going to be a lens on us, an extra bit of focus with, with Brett Louie in charge and coming from USL itself, I think that this is going to be the model organization of showing how you can build a club from nothing and or, you know, how it will not deliver a product. So, again, lots of great things here. And like you said, on paper, I think they're checking all of the right boxes. Um, and so it's really kind of, it's it. you can say now definitively, I feel like, that if we don't produce an, an exceptional product, it will be on the coach's side of the responsibility of like the t- the player acquisition right and 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 that's a great place to be in right because you want your coach to not be hamstringed by the resources or the support that they need so this is just a continuation of excellence so great job to the front office on these pickups um really really happy to be reading these kinds of articles um but i have to ask do you have a connection to Sean Carey is is this a carry to carry Connection? What was a coincidence here. That guy's name is Jason Gove. I mean, I didn't want to read into that, but uh, <laughs> if you're saying you have an in already, like we don't need to do this podcast. We can shut this down because <laughs> we're just looking for like two free tickets a game. So I finally took off the uh, the fusion earrings. <laughs> oh, whoops! I'm two people. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So if maybe, but also though too, maybe you should do like a 23 and Me or whatever, and find out if you're related to this guy. You know, so maybe by some distant Irish connection, you didn't know that he was your like seventeenth cousin. Cousin, cousin can go to a seventeenth level, right? If the family goes wide enough, like you could be a seventeenth cousin. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You get you get those giant node trees and just keep expanding in all directions. Any other works? All right. When when you meet him for the first time, I just want you to go up and give him a hug. Like cousin, it's great to see you. Just just give him a big old hug, you know? Just like one of those familial hugs, not like one of those like, hey, bro, what's going on? Just give him, like, just I want to see the big shock old, in his Big eye. old carry hug. Oh, so there is one. I knew it. So you, see, yeah, if he responds, then you know you guys are part of the same family. 
Oh man. Awesome. Well, so that's our news and, uh, you know, really again, excited to see these pickups. Um, it's always good to see positivity coming through in the press. So excited that we're going there. How are we doing in the, how are we doing in the USL? Oh man. Always calling me out on this. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you took, you took a bad bet for the year. And you know, to be fair, if you look at the point spread and we, I'm pretty sure we talked about this. This is competitively realistically. It's not working out so well for my pick, but like you win a game and tie one and boom, you're, you're back in. Speaking of picks, um, in that defiance, uh, uh, Discord that I mentioned where there's that like last team standing challenge. Um, it was really interesting. I think there were like 15 players that picked up for the first game to get to go through the knockouts, and 14 people picked wrong teams. And like people were making surefire bets on like what the dominance of you know top of the flight um, teams are performing at against like teams that are doing really poorly. Like someone was like, I'm gonna bet against Hartford Athletic every single time just to like I have to and you know, because they're like second or or no, they're now in second to last. And um and so yeah, fourteen of the fifteen people burned out in the very first round. So like when you can say like nobody really knows what to expect in a game, I enjoy that. Yeah, it it's it seems like it's got a similar level of parody that you do to like MLS that, you know, people there's no like, more parity in the MLS. It's the it's the messy league well, soccer I mean, if now. You're not playing messy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's done. The it's, rest of it is you know, you don't you don't know what's gonna happen. Speaking of messy, did you see the video of all of the people walking out of the club when he got subbed off in the 66th minute of yeah. his second <laughs> league's cup game? Gotta beat that traffic, bro. <laughs> are they? Are, do you, Do you think that will? Do you think that's a sign of what's to come? I think it's something to be interesting to maybe that people will keep up on if they all of a sudden like, you know, it's like, Oh, Messi's being subbed off. Let's start filming the stadium. <laughs> See what we can, we can notice. Um, you're always going to have those fair weather fans who take off. I think, was it a Wednesday game? Um, yeah, there's a, it was a perfect yeah, storm of excuses. You could say like traffic, whether they were blowing out, um, yeah. Atlanta United, like I, look, I get it. But at the same time, what I guess what I'm really asking is, is that good for the league? And I mean, they pay for the tickets, right? <laughs> I don't mean in the I don't mean in the moment. I mean after the Messi era has passed because it's what three years tops. Yeah, I think you you'll hope that um, while he's here, he'll he'll obviously he's bringing tons of attention to the league. Um, the kids love Messi, so you indoctrinate them into the U.S. soccer, and then you know hopefully around the other some of the other adults kind of catch on and say you know what actually this this is not too bad. <laughs> you start to build a relationship with your club. You know if you're for instance, you know, we'll stick with Miami. They go to see Messi, but then maybe they, they kind of enjoy it and keep after Messi's going. Maybe this kind of puts the club in the right direction too and they continue forward as, you know, a better club than they've been before. And, you know, you, you get a lot more interest in the club. Agreed. Agreed. So how how are the clubs in USL doing? What's the, what's the shakeup? All right. So as of right now, we still got, uh, we got Eastern Conference here. Pittsburgh still on top, uh, followed by Charleston, Tampa, Memphis, Birmingham, Louisville, Tulsa, and the uh, playoffs here rounded out by Indy 11. Indy 11's at the playoff line right now? Yeah, number Ooh. eight. Um, Come on, Indy. Get get your act together. Guess where Hartford Athletics at? <laughs> uh, so I know they beat the the lights in like what we're calling the losers the Losers Club right do, now. Do they have a wooden spoon in there? 
They, so the, the yes, they I don't should, know. They should start. They call it the wooden spoon. I don't know if it's a trophy like it is in the rest of the domestic leagues. Um, we'll find out more. That's a good. That's a great question. I think we can just research who took last last year and like call up that podcast family and go, hey, like talk, tell us everything. Um, so, are, but I'm going to assume that they're still in last place in the East. Yeah, 13 points. Man, they are not so. getting out of that basement. 13 points in how many games? Uh, 20 games. That's a conversion rate of less than a half a point. A, uh, a no, little, no, a little, little more, more than a half. But, but barely. Yeah, it's not one. Point. It's, it's not, not one. It's not good. Oof. Yikes. So, uh, falling on hard times for that. Never Connecticut. Too um, bad. So sad. <laughs> uh, and then how about in the West? So how, How's wet. my train gang doing? <laughs> <laughs> train gang's doing not, not too bad. Uh, fourth place. But oh, up, we lost a spot. Up, up at top, we got... Sacramento, followed by San Antonio, Oakland, the uh, train gang at oh, number so four. So Oakland jumped us because that was the game we lost to them. Uh, I didn't realize that was so a position game. They've played 21, so train gang's got a game in hand. So, okay, you know, you Where, could, they, could, they could jump them. Where's that RGV at? Uh, so we, <laughs> we got San Diego, followed by that, Colorado, New Mexico, and then Orange County rounding out the uh, playoff spot. And uh, the Rio Grande Valley with a cool stadium, 24 points, 11th place. Wow. So they have almost doubled the points of Hartford, but they're in second to last in their conference. The lights have 11. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. But you're right. Like, that's not a huge gap so, to yeah, come Orange, back through. Orange County is at 28 points. So does New Mexico. So, you know. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> All we gotta do is get in there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for the thanks for the recap there. So it's, this is the big stadium episode. Um, we wanted to kind of give the history of the stadium and the overall path that it's been on to its current state. And then, but before we do that, we also wanted to make sure that we quickly go over the crest because while that is not new news at this point, I think that is one of the things that they. Ex, like they just put an exceptional strategy to in, in its design. I think it deserves some some color commentary because you know we fell in love with the crest right away, and then also ironically we got a chance to to meet the creator of the crest, and so I, I just feel like the stories and everything about it were too good that we couldn't just you know say oh hey like yeah okay we've got a crest and let's move on like there's there's some actual. There's some actual story to this. So before we jump into it, though, like, what is your what is your impression of that crest? Good colors. Like, the design is really clean. It it does stand out. It's a really good crest. I love it. I, I, I can't think of a better logo with the exception of maybe the Roots, just because I think the Roots one is also just really, really classy. Um, and then maybe, like, Indy 11. But I, I think they, they did everything really, really well about it. So... We just wanted to share this backstory because it's it's such a rad story that it, like listeners need to know about it. So first and foremost, the front office did a really good job in deciding that hey, when we go about creating this club, you know we're going to make sure that we hire locally. So you know again, for Rhode Island or from Rhode Island, for Rhode Island mentality, um, and they brought in Nail Communications, which was a local agency, um, you know that that stands up a lot of design work for Rhode Island and. Uh, in in that in that agency design director uh, Miles Dumas um, was tasked with with creating the with the logo, and um, you know he was a student of Providence College and Rhode Island School of Design. So like the guy got his you know he got his he put his time in in the right places and again just represented um, 
represented both Nail Communications and, and his own probably personal pride really well here. But like the story that I want to share, which is to me just super cool, is that when they went through the design elements and they got selected to be the um, providers of the of the content for the crest, it went through in a, like kind of like a bid design of like what could be, what would be, all of that kind of stuff. And what was so interesting was that when they came up with their design and when they provided the final product. <laughs> One of the people in Nail Communications was so impressed, was so amazed by the quality of the design that they had produced that they went and tattooed it on their body. And as legend goes, when Nail Communications presented the final pitch to Rhode Island FC, they, and this was all done during the pandemic, so like this was, you know, computer to computer, these weren't in person meetings. Um, they had the person come in the room and show the tattoo of the design on their body and go, this is so good. I've already done this. Like this is what people will want. This is what people will gravitate towards. So either that was the most cleverest sales pitch in the history of marketing. Um, or like you can just tell again, it already resonates. Like this logo is, is amazing. So having said that, and I kind of already gave it away that like it was shared on a zoom camera where do you think this where do you think this guy got it tattooed? So he got it he probably got it tattooed right on his chest like where the if, if you were wearing a kit where the where the crest is so that way he he throws it off and just kisses <laughs> kisses his back, you know. <laughs> show club loyalty. I, I thought you'd play it safe and like like Brazilian like on know, the side of the neck. <laughs> <laughs> or like look at this sweet calf tat. Um, so I, I actually didn't ask Miles where where this where this person got it tattooed. I'm assuming it was like bicep, like that's like, you know like boom puts out the gun like on top of the hand. Here's the oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's the that's the way to do it. Full commitment right there. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy gets such a such this they Miles designed such an amazing uh, logo and uh, just an entire kind of buildup of what the crest itself would be, and it was like a surefire hit. I don't think in the history of design work. There's only one other club that comes to mind in the last few years that has gotten that much attention just strictly off of a design. And the one that comes to my mind is LAFC when they did like that angel wing with the Los Angeles part. Like that that was what put that club on a trajectory to be as encompassing with its fan support because they started it from like, what do fans want? Well, they want something that's exciting. And this logo to me is all of that and above. So I'm, I just, again, hats off, Miles, if you listen, I hope you do. It was great meeting you. Uh, you, you did it in such a way that like you've cemented your legacy forever. And for those of you that are really into soccer, there's really only a couple like key designers that exist out there. And like the other big name that comes to mind is Matt Wolf. Like I hold Miles Duma in like the same category now, like on the same pedestal. So again, just tip of the hat, um, to that design. And if you're curious about some of like what of the thought elements that went into it, uh, you can check that out on RhodeIslandFC.com. Um, there's a lot of extra content that goes into it around like why they chose the certain things. I think the one that's the most interesting about the the, the crest itself is that the the badge, as we call it, it's designed that way uh, by intent to look like a ship. And at first, I just thought like, what a fresh like take on a crest. Like it's it's more angular, but also you know, like still has those like shield like opportunities.
But then you like, once you hear like, oh yeah, if that does look like the front of a boat that's about to like plow through and, you know, and take, take names. So I, again, just oh, every time I look at it, I'm just like, it's on my scarf. It's on my hat. I, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, shout out to Nail Communications too. They have like two quick little videos on the website you can actually watch and it goes through all the pieces and does that explanation. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I'm going to have to check those out. That's a really cool, uh, cool piece. So um, having put the crust and just kind of getting past that so we can get back on track, the stadium. Are you, are you ready to do this? Are you ready to do the deep dive? Let's do it. Okay. So uh, a history on the, the stadium itself. So, you know, it, it's part of Tidewater Landing. Um, I don't know, actually, if we're going to be calling it Tidewater Stadium. Um, I know that's what's been gone around, but I, I kind of imagine we'll end up with a sponsorship and call it something else by the end. Gain. <laughs> Gain water. <laughs> but... Um, but like, so I don't, I don't really know. I love that you're, you're going straight to the detergent idea, by the way. Like that never registered with me until you said that joke. Oh man, that, that was a dad pun. Shame on you. Um, Getting fired on the fourth episode. <laughs> Too many bad jokes. Oh man. I hired you for your looks. Um, so anyways, uh, so yeah, so I don't know if we'll continue to call it Tidewater Stadium, but for the time being, we'll know it as Tidewater Stadium. And it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting story. So as we know, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't actually know where the stadium is going to be built, but its uh, intended location is the Seekonk. It's on the, it's on the Seekonk River in Pawtucket, um, it, and it's originally a 20-acre site that was historically a town gas operations center. And this town gas operations center went back, you know, more than 100 years, and town gas, which was also called manufactured gas at one point, was a way that workers would burn coal and oil at this centralized location to produce power for the cities of Providence and Pawtucket. So it's like an original, um, it's original power production site. And they used it for this purpose to power like street lamps um, because if we're being honest, like back in the day, street lamps used to be fired by like actual gas or they'd be fired with uh, like whale blubber, right? And so they were producing this more efficient version because natural gas just wasn't really around at that point. So this was a power plant site. And um, after, as you can imagine, after burning all of that product, like it turned the site into maybe something a little less desirable in this day and age. So it was actually converted um, into a brownfield site. And brownfield is just a way that the uh, regulatory agencies in the country kind of designate places that are contaminated, polluted, or hazardous. So you've got this site that's been used since 1881. It's now been converted into a brown site, um, and it sat for nearly 50 years as a brown site. So whenever they did the demolishing, I, I wasn't like paying attention for that. But this just sat as a kind of refuge for contaminated areas. And I've seen some of the older like satellite pictures after this was torn down, and it was just really like this forest that was right up against multi-family homes. Like, I'm sure that the people that live there were like, hey, like, let's get this like remediated, right? And the craziest thing to me was up until just a couple years ago, this site at Tidewater was one of three left in Pawtucket. I think there was like a total of like maybe 22, 23 that had been identified as brown sites because, you know, Rhode Island heavily revolutionized in terms of, not revolutionized, sorry, uh, industrialized. Uh, we, we've made every kind of thing you could ever think of since the revolution, and so this is one of the few sites that hadn't actually had any kind of cleanup process treated yet. So uh, National Grid at the time, when it was still our power company and not Rhode Island Energy, 
they were required to invest millions of dollars to remediate the site because it was a power-producing site back in the day. They owned all of the power responsibilities for the, for the state, so they, they were hooked to pay the bill. It's probably why National Grid left. They probably were like, we're just like cleaning up dirt in this state. Like, no, we got to sell and get out of here. Yeah, later. we don't want this. <laughs> we don't want to spend this money. Um, so, so they had to remediate this. And it's really important to note because I think I don't want to like put the credit on the club for this. The site had to get remediated. So, like, as you hear about the costs, as you understand like what was required to get this done, like, it wasn't that because the club was coming, they did it. They were already in the process of it. And if anything, Brett Johnson and Mikey Parkhurst and Brett Louie, they had the vision to go, hey, like, this is a perfectly acceptable site. Once this is cleaned, we can step in and take this land. So, like, great, you know, great ideas coming from them to do this. But it, I just want to make sure we always separate those two things. Like, no matter what this site was going to be, a million upon million dollar investment to clean up, and we just had the, the, the bright idea of picking up the land. What happens next is National Grid makes their commitments. They start the, the cleanup and remediation process sometime between 2016 all the way up to 2019 when it was finished. And the land um, went up, was kind of up for grabs, right? Like, what would happen? And this goes back to that story of Brett Johnson eating his ice cream cone in Watch Hill going, soccer, is, it's like, this is the time, this is the place. So he works through his fortuitous, um, his fortuitous uh, investment group and puts together an RFP for the city of Pawtucket to say, hey, like, this is what we could do with this, this area. And what's really important is, is we've said a lot, you know, Tidewater Stadium, right? But that's not just what Tidewater Stadium, it's not just the stadium, right? The city of Pawtucket did not shift after the sour taste of losing the tenants to McCoy Stadium and go, oh, let's try a different product in a different stadium. They weren't that dumb. Like, they, they knew better. And so, and so did Brett Johnson. He knew what was going to be needed to put this together. So instead, it's the Tidewater Landing Project. And I think that's important for people who maybe aren't paying as much attention because they're only hearing stadium rumblings. But there's an entire infrastructure or what they're calling a riverfront, re riverfront revitalization project that's built into this. The stadium itself is like the crown jewel. It's the, it's the anchor piece. <laughs> That's a pun. It's the anchor piece of the uh, project. But this thing is so multifaceted that it goes beyond it. And like when I started looking into the plans that were proposed to the city, like, holy cow, like we will have to do another episode at some point on all of that infrastructure. But to summarize it for the sake of time and for our listeners, it's a multi-phased approach that will include, and it's a 400, I should start with how much money this is going to cost. It's a $400 million multi-phase approach to bring in several key things into the, the riverfront itself. So one, we're going to start with the stadium, right? Like that's, that's priority one. After that, there's an immediate build of um, a start to complete over 500 housing units within the riverfront itself. I don't know what the earliest commitments yet are on like the very first building that they're going to stand up next to the stadium. Um, like that may be like 100, 200, because it's, again, it's multiple buildings that will support this. Um, but it's going to be 500 housing units that will be built around the river. It's going to be retail and restaurant fronts that are be that will kind of be built into the ground floor of these areas. There will be an indoor event center, which I, when I heard that, I was like, one, like immediately I was like, oh, that's going to be awesome. Like, and then I was like, two, like, wait, why, why do we need that? Like, who cares? Like, we're going to have it. Like, the, like the AMP, does uh, they can't always do everything, right? So, like, having more opportunities, being able to bring in more bands, bigger tickets, like, uh, more events, like, conferences, well, you, like, you I'm all about I, it. You know what I thought about, too, not to go off too far on a tangent, but 
Remember when we went to St. Louis and we went to their stadium? And then so right outside, there's like there's that bar and restaurant. That was really cool. But then also we started wandering around like a block or two down the street. And then there was like these other restaurants. And then we wandered through some weird, there was a conference or something. So like in a similar fashion, you get all this stuff together. There's, there's tons of, you know, cause you don't want to create like just a dead zone. Oh, there's a stadium here. What else do when, I do? When the games are not happening, nothing's going on. Right. Like, right. what so I, I go hang out in the Apex parking lot? Like, what do I, what do, I do, <laughs> right? No, I, I agree. So, like, this event center will be the next piece. I'd love to understand the, like, the proposal between those two setups. And then um, there's going to be over 1,200 um, mixed parking spaces, which when I saw the multiple-phase deployments, eventually some of that parking gets eradicated by the development of the event center. So, like, I don't know if that's a fixed number or they have to figure that out. But then there was one part that I didn't understand, which was that there's going to be a pedestrian bridge that connects both sides of the project across the river. And I think it's the intent that some of the parking to, to satisfy the stadium's needs, because the stadium's parking does not look like it's enough to fit the club, is that the intent is that you park on the like more Pawtucket like, north side, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, and then you walk across this bridge into the rest of the the stadium experience. And they're going to redevelop with, like, parks and river walkways and, like, landings. So, like, this is a huge... Like, again, for any of the naysayers that still aren't listening after the Brett Louis thing, there's no way this doesn't at least get started. Maybe some of this falls off or gets delayed, but, like, the requirements to this, it's, it's not just the stadium. And so if your heart's not into this and you're listening to us for some reason, I don't know why, you're, but welcome... But for the rest of you, like this is this is again another kind of tip to the cap that like it takes a vision to deliver this kind of um, this kind of opportunity, and it's it's going to happen to some degree, right? Maybe things will fall through, maybe things will change, but like the overall vision is is in place. Like that's not going away. That's what they've secured the rights to. And I also thought it was really interesting. And I I don't know if Brett knew this, but if he did, like this guy's playing 4D chess, and we're all playing like checkers. But, like, they just updated the Pawtucket Rail Station. Um, it's not super close. Like, in the, in the press release, the pressers, it was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, right here. Like, it's, it's still a walk. Like, by no means is it, like, next, next door. But the Pawtucket Rail Station's there. They just updated the transit center. And that was a $63 million project that the city did on their own, like, without the stadium. So now you've got light rail. You've got a bus center. You've got the, all of this stuff coming in. It's freeway accessible. There's there's roads right there on both sides. You've got rivers and roads. Like that's a great song. Like that. I mean, come on. This is all the master plan is all coming together. So, having said all that, I feel like I've done a lot of talking here. I want to get your take. What is your impression of this phase layout? What do you see as upsides? What do you see as like cautionary callouts? What are you excited about in it? Where are you cautious? Like, give me give me the vibe. Uh, a lot of this sounds like really awesome, and you know we've seen a lot of the mock-ups they have on the um, on the website, and like the stadium looks beautiful. I think um, I don't want to say concerned, but like there's a lot going into this, so I just like at the end of the day, like the stadium needs to be done first, right? All this other stuff like is important, and I think would like really make this one of the premier like places to go. I just hope that, like, it doesn't drag on and you start to see things like, you know, cutting corners or something. 
so I, I agree with that. I, I do think, and you're right, the stadium is the most important because we need the club to be able to operate. But I would also argue that I, I would imagine that for what the city agreed to help support and fund, that housing is also equally important and is probably yeah. like the same priority. for. Like, I would not be surprised if as soon as we get to a point where, because, you know, with con- I mean, I'm not a construction expert, but like certain construction does certain things, right? I wouldn't be surprised if there's an expectation that like, after, because the foundations are for those of you that have never driven by the stadium, like you should absolutely go take a look at it and like look at the current progress. The foundations are laid, like the 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 elevator posts are like the they're pretty much ready to start designing and building the actual stadium around it. Um, but I imagine that that same group, like you're you're not usually a jack of all trades in construction. Like you're specialists. Like we excel at this, and then we can do this part. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the city's like, hey, you've got a year, and then, like, we want to see those same people starting the the, the start of the housing. Because there's a housing crisis out there. Like, you know it. I know it. It's it, either if you can afford something in this market right now, it's hard to find. I, I just read a MLS, which not not the soccer league, yeah, um, the realtor, <laughs> which, fun fact for our listeners, if you ever go to MLS.com, doesn't take you to soccer. It takes you to real estate. I have always laughed at that. But the inventory is like 77% reduced. And as a result, like there's a need to expand to, I think they need to like put something like 2,500 um, properties to get us back to pre-pandemic like supply and demand models. And then there's economics to it. Like people are being locked out because of interest rates. We won't, this is not a podcast about housing economics. Yeah. But it's super important. Right, like yeah, we to, need to, to open that for up a for our people. Like yeah. it, is, it is a very important thing, and and like I don't think that's in question at all. Like, the, like that was not my concern. It's just so that this this creating this whole mecca of like we talk about the, the retail, the restaurants, the event center, the hotel, and all the like. You c- can imagine like that would kind of create a really cool area. So I think initially that might I like I don't know what the timelines are or if there's are definite things i i really hope they are i think they would, would create a really like cool place to go down to not just like yo i'm going to show up for the game like right as it starts and then just bounce the seconds done and and so again like so the naysayers out there who have been on socials going soccer is dumb if you think this stadium and the phased project of tidewater landing as a whole is soccer specific you're wrong the only thing soccer specific about this project is the stadium's design but everything else to me screams artists, concerts, um, conferences, um, graduation ceremonies. Graduation graduation ceremonies cost a lot of money to like put together. Like all of these kinds of things are opportunities for for the stadium to tack, uh, you know, kind of tackle on when it comes to additional revenue making streams. Like it, it's the same way. Like name one big place that you can see music outside of of the amp in providence and i don't mean like the little clubs like the strand or any, well it's not little but i mean like a place that like a big band would come they're, they're not there right now like bold point park is trying to put together a pavilion akin to boston's uh leader pavilion and that's great again like we can't bring those opportunities and that entertainment product in if we don't have the infrastructure so limited minds complaining about things that really aren't their problems is just an ongoing Ongoing fight for the again the hearts and minds of of Rhode Islanders, but I, I'm super excited. I, I I cannot wait till we get closer. Like when oh man, when you see the first like logos go up, like when you get that altitude at, at you know 
the 95s level when you're driving and you can see like over because like right now you couldn't see it unless you like looked over and down but when you put like that crest up and it's on like some elevated like signpost ooh tickle tickle me tickle me fun here i'm excited yeah i just hope that they find somewhere along the river there for you know pirate ship parking <laughs> You know, it, it's funny. Got to beat the traffic, you know? I, I was asked what questions I would want to take to the, the front office, and I literally asked them, I want to ask, where can I park my boat? <laughs> and I don't, I don't have a boat yet, listeners. Like, we can, again, go fund me. I'll Get me a boat, and I will take that up the river every game. I'll park it up there. I'll brand it. RIFC can, like, put a wrap on it, and it can be a Rhode Island FC boat, like, whatever it takes. But, um... But yeah, I want, I want a boat parking. I, if I can use my influence from this podcast, it's going to be three things. I want a boat parking spot. <laughs> I want be, to be able to give tickets to listeners so they can attend the games. And, uh, you know, just maybe like... We'll just climb up into the crow's nest and just watch <laughs> the game from there. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. Um, I wouldn't even say the third one, actually, because the third one, we'll see if it just happens and they don't go, oh, you greedy, you greedy person. So we have objectives here, guys. We're, we're selfish human beings ourselves. Um, but speaking of speaking of things we want, everything comes at a price, and the costs also are something that comes into play with the development of Tidewater. Uh, like we alluded to, it is a four hundred million dollar project, and I think there's been some scrutiny lately on like the kind of ever changing projections of the cost of the stadium and like what the city is funded and like what public funding will look like. Um, so early early projections when this first was started was that the stadium would cost $124 million and it would put it as the most expensive stadium in the USL championship history. Um, and it's important to understand that 45 million, or I think 45 and a half million to be specific, would be coming from publicly funded assets. So that's those taxes um, and grants that we had talked about um, in prior episodes. Um, it's also should be worth noting that Brett Johnson and the rest of the owners group, they are required for this project to go through to, to put together that $50 million in privately funded equity up front. So right there, you're looking at basically $100 million of the project um, being set up by investors um, in, in that sense. And so when you when you talk about, oh, money has been drying up, like this isn't like I have $0 and I'm trying to go for a $50 million loan. This is like, hey, I just need to get like one more investor aligned and we'll be we'll be good to go. And again, probably by the time you hear this, we haven't heard anything. It's been a little radio silent. It's one of those things where it just takes one conversation or one check and everything will literally be put to bed for the, this conversation for the rest of its time. Um, and, and, you know, we have to acknowledge there's also been problems with COVID, right? And, and it's not just like people think COVID was just like a health and a, like a delay, but it, it caused a ripple effect in slowing everything down from a logistics perspective. Like, everyone probably knows that. But, like, steel, that still hasn't caught up. Man, like, manufactured hardware. Lumber, yeah. big problem, too. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, affect, it was a global pandemic. Yeah. So, <laughs> so your options are you wait now or your rates have gone up. So, like, for anyone that says, like, oh, why are they asking for more money or why do they have to go back to the drawing board on, like, restructuring like certain elements, like, come on, people, COVID, like all of us are like, look at, look at how inflation has affected us. And, and like, it, it's just, nobody's ready for that. Right. So, so I, I don't think that there's concerns there, but like, I do think it's worth saying, like maybe some of the numbers we're saying right now will change. Um, and that's a natural, that's a natural part of doing business in this day and age. I mean, yeah, 
you know, spoiler alert, Feds just increased the rating. So did it happen again? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, but so there was one funny thing I wanted to share before we move to the actual stadium itself and the investment parts. There was a conversation that Brett Johnson had with um, with an, an individual. I don't remember which one as I was doing my research, but he did he did have a conversation and he said that there was potentially a famous uh, artist and the way he talked it alluded that it was like a singer or at least a musical performer of some sort um, that wanted to get attached to the project because they love soccer, they loved New England, and they um, they wanted they were really excited because they would get to perform at this the, at the venue when it had opened. Um, they didn't they didn't say who Brett didn't say who, but he did say he in the conversation like he leads his like category or genre. So that got me thinking: Who do we think? could have been this and this was months ago and like he said at the time like if this happened he would be announcing it so that I, this probably didn't happen now or maybe they did but they're like a silent partner and i'm outing them but i mean it's brett words it's brett's words we're just kind of quoting it now but who do you who do you think who do you think this angel investor could have been or is in in the background i mean if you're if we're saying it's music and you're asking it was a him i i know it was it's a, a him. it's a him and they led their category and you're asking me the metalhead, yeah, <laughs> no reference. No, of like no, what, no, 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 music is. No, our listeners don't don't know yourself. No, our listeners, give me a, give me a decent answer. Um, the only person I can think of from from, from the area is Jesse Leach, the main singer of Kill Switch Engage. <laughs> but I don't know if they're even, <laughs> you know, after Howard Jones left, I, I don't know what's going on with that. Do you, you think know? there's? Do you think Kill Switch Engage has soccer stadium funding money? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they have. Like, I, mean, I was able to buy a house, invest in a four hundred one k, and live comfortably. Money. You know, the two thousands. There's a big metalcore surge, but I don't. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Living that. in the past. No, it's 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 obvious. It's like it's clear as rain who this is. This is obviously Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, think about it. Leads this category. Parody music. There's no one better. No one stronger. <laughs> he has no roots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, he's he's great he's, at what he does. He I love, leads it so well. He doesn't allow competition to actually happen in his category. There's no point. Yeah, you Why would even lose. try? In fact, if I remember right, like it's like a badge of honor these days to be par- parodied in a song. Like if you get your song parodied or you get mentioned, it's it's like more important than winning like going platinum on your record. So I think Weird Al Yankovic is the secret angel investor to our our soccer club, and I'm going to hold. That's gonna be a T-shirt. We're gonna make a weird. <laughs> we're gonna make a weird owl T-shirt. Um, that's that's yeah. So that's my that's my um, that's my take. But um, listeners, if you think you know who it is, or if you want to get in on the bets and the guessing, uh, send us love in the comments in our website or in the social posts for for this for this episode's release. We'd love to hear what you guys think or who you think might have been, uh, you know, the the supporter for the club. But so we've talked about the history of the site, which I thought was fascinating from an environmental perspective. But we need to get into the stadium itself. So the renderings, which are available on Rhode Island FC, I hate that you can't zoom in on them. Like you have to like magnify your entire web page to get to it. You just have to like yell and enhance, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um, but I listen. I I love what I'm seeing in the design. Um, it looks so kind of a mix of understanding like what they've said so far 
as well as what we've seen in, in uh, announcements to news outlets and kind of uh, offerings that they've shared with with uh, the season ticket holders is that it will be a 10,000-seat stadium. Um, it will be the flagship venue for all sports and entertainment in Rhode Island. And, of course, like I said, it will be hosting more than just sports. It will also be holding community events and concerts. Like, Could you imagine all like the... Like, the um, the events that happen during like the Cape Verde, the Portuguese festivals, like the block parties, like a lot of things could find their way naturally there. Like the all you can eat oyster festival could be held at Rhode Island FC. You could have every oyster you ever wanted. And it's right on the water. There too. Right. You just throw the shells right back in. I'm pretty sure that's how <laughs> oyster repopulation works, right? Yeah. They um, just crawl into a new one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not how oysters work. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, again, it's multi-purpose, uh, even though it's soccer specific as a, as a venue. Um, and I thought this was the most important thing that I really wanted to share today is that the stadium is going to offer a mix of different seating options, uh, for making sure that it's affordable for like families of four, all the way up to corporate suites. And this was really fascinating to me. And again, I don't know if Johnson was just kind of building this up or if there's truth to it yet, but his words, and I quote, were that they've already had to go back to the design team for the stadium to increase the number of field and corporate suites because they've had an overwhelming demand from corporate partners to to like actually lease those spaces out. So they underestimated um, what that would look like. And, and that's always exciting because when the corporate interest is there, that means that like there's more steady money that's coming in on the back channels than relying on like merch sales and ticket sales. But what I really appreciate about that statement is Johnson went back and said, hey, like, listen, even though that's part of it, the core tenet is that we're going to be an affordable product. We are not going to put a dollar price before what our fans can can experience and be a part of. And I, I think that's really important to growing the brand. Like, don't chase, don't chase the dollar bills at first, chase the nickels, chase the dimes. Um, and then if you've done it right, like people will come in droves and they'll tell you, you know, what they can afford and, and how much they want to spend at all times. So really excited to kind of hear that statement from the club. And then I don't know if this is sure, like a for sure thing. I had to squint in the, in the design pictures and I, I may have just been kind of hoping and alluding cause it's not super clear and specific. They were either field box seats or kind of showed people standing and I really want to know if there's going to be a safe standing um, option in the stadium. I haven't heard anything yet. I haven't seen any commitments from the club. I'm sure Defiance 1636 as the supporters group is asking that question on the daily. Um, but the way I look at it, too, from the club's perspective is if they build safe standing, like Defiance has to show up. And I'm not saying they won't, but like it's a it's a mutual pact between the supporter group and the FO to say, Hey, like we're going to do this. Like we can't, like if people don't want to like stand it, you know, how bad would a look would it be that like, yeah, it's just like an empty area. Safe standing is very specific to like a hardcore soccer fan, right? Your, your average soccer fans not going to be like, I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> I want Right. Right. And so like, so I, I don't even know how you make that kind of business decision or, or get that kind of guarantee between both the supporter group and the front office. But I, I hope that it happens. If you build it. <laughs> I, I really I really hope there can be an agreement to that um, because and maybe and maybe uh, defiance maybe the first season is like your testing grounds maybe that's where you show them as they're because I feel like they can build it and not put the seats in right away you know like they can say like we'll put those in last and you show us at Bernie 
what you guys will bring. And if that's what we, if we feel that that's enough, then yeah, we'll give you what you want. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if that's I can't the imagine that that would be too hard of a thing to kind of like change. You know what I mean? Like it's not like oh, this is gonna take us years to fix. Like now they can right. probably within a few months kind of get that ready. I, I wouldn't. Up. I wouldn't even. It's not even fixed like, or change. I would just not do it until like that's the last thing we work on in the stadium. Like because the they wouldn't change like the level. It's whether you put like a front rail. And you don't put chairs, or you put a chair, and then you put another chair, and you know, et cetera. So, like, that that'll be really interesting. I I I want to see that happen, though. I'm I'm really excited. But so here's the other thing. Like, everything I've seen so far is amazing with the amenities and and what they want to design. But did you see an awning in the in the stadium's design? Because I didn't. Mm, not that I can tell. I don't. I don't know. I mean, those of us allergic to the sun. <laughs> It is what it is, you know, <laughs> that sunscreen life. But then also, I guess, you know, with our crazy weather. I mean, yeah, I'm more thinking like the I rain. Just, I just walked my dogs through a freak thunderstorm, you know, <laughs> in shorts and a T-shirt. Because, <laughs> you know, Rhode Island. Rhode life. Island be Rhode Island. And yeah, like, and that's, and so I'm, I, I mean, listen, I can always wear a hat. I can always put on sunscreen. I've had to do that for years. We, The son and I have a disagreement, an, an ongoing disagreement, but I, I'm more concerned about the inclemental weather, right? Because no, again, that fair weather fan, like Defiance, what we just talked about, they'll they'll be partying and they'll be having a dancing in the rain party, you know, like that. That's they'll bring the thunder literally. But I can't say the same for the person who's like just wants to watch soccer for the day, and it's like, well, I could go to the movie theater and watch, you know, yeah. Barbie. They're like, oh, there's a fifty percent chance of a thunderstorm that may or may not happen. Who knows? That lasts like five minutes. <laughs> right, right. Because remember, like the and for listeners that are new to soccer. Unless there's an actual thunderstorm, if it's just rain, the club's going to play on. Like, they're going to play out in that weather. And if the people that are just kind of like, eh, they may not want to get wet. A poncho may not be enough. So I really think that this is an opportunity that they need to go back. And if an awning isn't a part of the design, like, it, that's a mistake. Like, they Some, need to go back yeah, and Yeah, maybe something they need to consider that if it's not, you know, tacking <laughs> a bunch more millions on to. The... If, if I can go to FC Iceland, or FC Reykjavik in Iceland, excuse me, and they only have one side, and it's sheltered because they have rain all the time. Spoiler alert, Iceland, it rains. Like, it's the right thing to do for Rhode Island FC as well. So I, I hope that they kind of walk that back, or if in the final designs that's incorporated in. Um, but yeah, so so that's that. And then the last part that we just want to talk about, because I kind of I hinted at the beginning with the with the stadium uh, name. So it, it's Tidewater Landing, because it's the Tidewater area of, of that part of Pawtucket and the Seekonk River. But I, again, I imagine that there's going to be a sponsorship conversation at some point for, you know, the kit um, and the stadium's naming rights itself. And again, in another bit of investigation on Mr. Johnson, uh, he said really kind of uh, when he was talking about that very opportunity with a, a, a local reporter, he said that, listen, like we want we want mainstay companies, big name companies from Rhode Island to represent. So he went out of his way and named, which I thought was hilarious, he named CVS, which biggest pharmaceutical healthcare company, I think, on the planet. Uh, he named Hasbro, right? And I, then he said Breeze, though. So Breeze was the funny one to me because Breeze is a locally centralized provider of flights. Like, they're, they're really trying to build something in Providence. And whether you love or hate Breeze, that's not the comment I mean, they're, we're making. They're, yeah, they're, I don't know. They're expanding a little bit. I don't know what where their upward trajectory is. I mean, but. they've canceled several flights I've tried to take with them to go <laughs> places. So Breeze is, you know, not... Watch, we get sponsored by Breeze one day. Like, I don't mean the club, I mean us. Um, 
I'll have to take that off to cut that out of this podcast. Um, but I think he's just saying it to like go for like that, you know, airline connection. Like you've got, you know, yeah, like I mean, United, you've got, um, you got all the, the different flight companies now just popping up on people's, people's kits. So yeah. The, um, and did you see the, uh, they announced went, United for yeah, they, Rexham. They yeah. They did a, a silly little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my money is on the, uh, Hasbro presents the Beast Wars stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the next Transformer movie. It's just always changing. Uh, so uh, listen, I, I will say this now. I think CVS should be the kit sponsor. I'll call my shot now because like they've got that heart. It would look good on the 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 um on the center of the the kit itself. But I'm all, I'm fine with anything. Like just just whatever they want to do. Johnson said that he would like to pursue a, a, maybe an outside vendor uh, in something like Athletic Brewing, which. Uh, for those of you that don't know that name, they are kind of like the pinnacle product right now in non-alcoholic beverage production. So, like if 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 you've never had one, I had one actually. Ironically, the day maybe oh maybe I was marketed by Brett Johnson. Um, <laughs> like they're good. Like if you want beer without getting that kind of you know yeah, vibe. I, I was I was surprised. My you know my when we go out, my wife doesn't like to really drink anymore and. She usually will get one of those. I tried one. I was like, this is not bad. They had a, um, they did a collaboration with someone a while back and made like a, a, a Michelada Nada. Very good. <laughs> Michelada. That's a good name. Um, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see if they like the Tidewater Stadium presented by or if they call it something else. Because uh, that's big money. Those kind of contracts, those can bring in the big bucks. So Usually, like a kit sponsor or a stadium naming right can be like four hundred thousand a year or four hundred thousand across five years, so like that's not money to scoff at. But so that's Tidewater as we know it now. That's the history. That's kind of what it's going to be. Really encourage anyone that wants to see more of the project. They can either go to Tidewater Landing, I think dot com, which is where the project plans are, or they can go to RhodeIslandFC.com to see the renders of the stadium itself. If you already haven't, um, but let's let's jump into our home in 2024 because you know as we know the stadium won't be ready until uh the inaugural the inaugural stadium season will be 2025 but the inaugural playing season for the club will be 2024 and uh we'll be playing at bernie stadium at um bryant university now what i thought was really interesting here was that they are not strangers to professional clubs of some sort coming in and using their facilities. Uh, at one point, the New England Patriots were using Bryant as their uh, kind of training camp, their de facto training camp and organizational area so that the the group could get ready for uh, their preseason and kind of like just getting getting ready for the season itself. And the thing that I thought was the kind of coolest piece of information of that is that it's also modular in the sense that the, the stadium itself, as most collegiate stadiums are, it, it can hold 4,000 fans. So is that the 10,000 we intended to bring along for the journey? No. But if you remember from previous mentions, we have 4,000 season ticket member deposits. I don't think all of those will convert in year one to Bernie. I think some people will be holdovers. Maybe maybe that's even more critical now that we provide a really good winning season in the first yeah, year. I wonder, I wonder how that works. Can you, can you hold on to that? for? <laughs> so here's what I think. I think that unless you request that you don't want to be a part of this anymore, I think that it just keeps your place in line and that when the Tidewater's done, you'll keep the same order and you'll be able to work out how you want to select your seats um, at the main stadium. So I, I think it'll be independent of it as long as you do. But I think also you have to show up for season one at Bernie and say like, hey, like 
you're you're here and like sit because I don't think they can assign seating. That's a really good question, actually. I guess they have to be able to, because otherwise, how do you sell tickets? Is everything just GA? I guess like so. Like SeatGeek is going to have a I mean, field I, day on like how to assign pricing values to, to GA tickets. That's a, We should ask the club. That's going to be a really good question that we should probably get to know sooner than later. So uh, listeners, more more to come on that because we, we don't know. Um, but yeah, so they have the facilities to expand to more uh, seating. I don't know if they will right away because... Again, like this is now taking us, uh, you know, about it's a it's a twenty one minute drive according to my navigation, but it's also fifteen miles. And they say like after like twelve fifteen minutes, if you don't pack that lunch, like I don't know if I can drive that far without permission. Um, but for those that are maybe like they can't drive, and this is by the way running it from downtown Providence. If you're somewhere else in the state, that could add more time. Maybe that shortens your time. Rhode Island's not exactly a giant place, but it's a forty minute bus ride through public transportation to get there. And I think that that's something that Rhode Island needs to come out and say in the next couple of months, like we have an infrastructure plan in place, like get to Kennedy center downtown and we will, we will get you guys there nonstop in like some sort of express fashion. Ooh, wrap. Yeah. Wrap that bus. Oh, you wrap that one or two, like you wrap those two buses. Cause I think you need to have one running at all times, both ways. That's, that's the, uh, that's the anchor express. Oh, thank you. are welcome. Rhode Island. Nice. FC. Yeah, you can, can have, have that, that one. one for free. Mm-hmm. Hundred um, percent, but yeah. So it, there's the ability to expand, and what I thought was really interesting is Brett Louie had mentioned too that as they move into it, they're already looking at temporary facilities to install at Bernie Stadium so that the players aren't sharing it with the collegiate programs, and that they also have a place that they feel like they can you know be themselves, like you know, and get through those day to day moments when it's not just getting ready for game. Yeah, day. even though it's temporary, like they want it to feel like they're home. Exactly. Yeah. So. So I think that's going to be really critical. Um, so it's exciting. You know, the, again, it has that expansion modality if they need to go beyond 4,000 fans. I am curious how Defiance will set up because it's in the collegiate system, it's very much more like that sideline play because they bring the noise, they bring the, they bring the thunder. Yeah, and I mean, that ties back to our question a minute or two ago about like where, where, how are these seats assigned and then how, how can they kind of like, you know, we need to get together to be our group. Right, especially if they have to showcase what they can offer and excite other people to it. So more to come. We'll, we'll understand that more as we see it. But So we'll anticipate that that is something that will exist for the 2024 season. That will be our home ground. That will be our fortress. Um, and we'll go through it from there. So if I'm to really quickly recap, when you look at the stadium design itself and you look at where we're at for the Bernie project until we get to Tidewater's full development, I think it's important to share with listeners kind of like that timeline of events. So in the last episode I shared about like, you know, Brett Johnson eating an ice cream cone and Eureka, he had he had the soccer he had the soccer IQ to put a stadium here in Rhode Island. But I, we actually did find a little bit out. So what we do know is that um, Brett actually went out and secured the expansion rights for a club in Rhode Island in August of 2018. Um, we asked a question from the club, and they had answered that you know it wasn't that Brett had said, "Hey, I want the next expansion right." He actually went to the USL and said, "I want Rhode Island if it's available." And I don't know if that means that there are other investors out there that are like quietly trying to like make bids on markets and we just happen to be open. But this all kind of came together where Brett was looking at and saying, hey, like I'm a local, I have, I, or I have local connections, I have local upbringings and my schooling. I do want to bring this product back. You know, there is a media consumption for it. Give it to me. And so then USL gives him the rights and he immediately went to work after the, after the postdocs left. He's like, how can I make this work? So by April of 2019, he had already submitted a project to the city of Pawtucket. 
I think maybe he realized, like, listen, if any city's going to understand supporting a, so- a, a sport in their city, it would be Pawtucket. So I think that was really clever on him. Also, when you look at diversity that exists in, I think Pawtucket is, and like Central Falls is probably one of the best melting pots of that. So like, again, another win there. Um, so they submit their project plans for acceptance in 2019 of, uh, of April, and they win. Uh, they win the, uh, the, this came after months and months of deciding what was the next thing to do to invest money and um and energy into the state and into the city. And so we find that the project gets accepted in December of 2019, and that's where things just start cooking. Unfortunately, um, with COVID, it kind of derailed some of like the, the bigger project plans, but we ended up signing the lease on the grounds for, um, for the stadium to get designed and built in September of 2020, so we're less than a year later. We have all of that done, and then we finally submit our formalized plans on how we really want to develop the rest of it. And really put like the thought and the vision into like structural plans. Like, like if you look in those phased project plans, like it has like traffic reports. It has where they need to redesign road infrastructure. It has like environmental impacts. It has all of these things. Um, and so that went in in December of 2021. It got approved, and then we all saw the groundbreaking in August of 2022, and we're at where we are now with the club. So it's kind of a, a really quick recap of that timeline. And. And yeah, so that's where we're at. But I think if I was going to ask you anything to kind of summarize this this stadium development as we understand it, where do you think, like, what are your impressions of it so far? What did they do right? What did they do maybe not so right? I mean, I I think they're they're moving in the right direction. I think you know soccer specific stadium is big, but also you don't want to create these sites where nothing happens when no one's playing. So all of the, you know, the, the restaurants, the, the housing, all like you create like almost a little community around that. So there's all this other stuff going on. I mean, the, the site that they ended up getting, I think, is a great spot right on the river. Like, it, you know, the renders look great. Um, I mean, the only thing, you know, maybe I'm concerned a little bit about the parking, but how that situation is. You know, there there does seem to be the option with, you know, he said it's not super close, but the train is not too far away. Maybe they get some buses. They were talked about, like, um, some paths, too. Maybe you got a like lot, of, peop- lot of people paths. like to bike, you know. Maybe, yeah. maybe you just have, you know, if you're not too far away, yo, just I'll, I'll bike a few miles to the stadium, you know. Um, a lot of options. I, I, You know, I wonder, looking at those renders, too, do you see the picture with the boats and the thing? Do you think a bunch of people are just going to... Like, I, I would crowd love, it up. I, I, so I don't know if they're going to lower like that, that right wall. Be, but like, yeah, like if there are people on kayaks, like a people cool on drone boats. picture of all these people, you know, on like boats and just, just watching I, the game. Listen, that would be. I will buy a boat <laughs> if I can park a boat and go to the soccer game. Like I will. I'll buy a pirate ship <laughs> and that, I, that giant, you know, the, the mastigan. Yeah. Mast is, you know, no, I, I will there. do it. I swear. I will. I, Rhode Island FC. The, this is this is on. This is this is the bet. All right. You you if you build a dock, I will come. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I I agree with you. I I think that they're doing everything right in terms of stadium design and like overall composition of what they want, and it it ties really well into what the city can benefit from. I think that if I was to be nitpicky on anything that I haven't already like mentioned so far tonight, is I, we saw something really cool at St. Louis that I would hope gets emulated. Um, 
they, I saw actually two really cool things. So one of them was that like fan experience one where it was on the north or south end of the field. Oh, that stayed open after the game. Stayed that open was after like the game. They like a party. They had like a DJ yeah. in there. So it was like and a clubhouse event afterwards. That, that was really cool. Yeah, but it was also exclusive to St. Louis fans. Like you could not go in unless you had a ticket for that specific area. So that would be kind of cool from an exclusivity part. But the thing that I, I saw that I think should be mandatory at all stadiums moving forward is so St. Louis City is sponsored. Their main kit is Purina, right? So it's Purina and like Budweiser are like their two main their two main consumer products in the city of St. Louis. And like White Castle is like a number three, um, which White Castle is. Well, we won't go into it, but it's not <laughs> it's not what I thought it would be. Um, so, anyways, but they had dog sweets at St. Louis City. Okay, you, yeah, you had field seats to bring your dog. And it had a little grassy area. It had a dog watering bowl. It was big enough to, like your dog could be comfortable. And there was like six of them. I swear, like just put one, put two in there. Have them sponsored by what is it, Rumford Pet Express? Like, like again, we're not sponsored by them. We, we don't know who will be sponsored by eventually at one point. But like, have a dog suite, please. Like that would be one of the coolest things to have. It, it brings like that excitement. Like, oh, how do I get that suite? So please, Rhode Island FC, Paul, convert one of those seats and suites to a dog friendly environment one and like raffle that out or like give it as a donation opportunity like we can make this work yeah just have a a, a dog of dog of the match oh my <laughs> god come on see again we're we're giving them ideas like we're just giving them away for free here yeah <laughs> i mean uh two other things i want to mention real quick i um about the stadium um i've been to quite a few stadiums with soccer it's starting to become a thing with you know like tailgating it it stopped for a while in in some areas because too many idiots were fighting each other and stuff. But like, I've had a great time tailgating at various soccer games I've been to, hang out, like play you know uncoordinated bad soccer in a parking lot. Well, after a few too many beers, <laughs> like you know just hanging out with a bunch of other people who are excited there about soccer. I've had a lot of great experience. So I hope that I you know I don't know what all all the laws are. Maybe they can have like a specific spot they can designate like you can only do it here but like that would be awesome and then i've also um seen some experience like you know if if the defiance guys turn up like you know maybe maybe then march across the bridge or something you know like almost like a a pathway leading into the stadium yeah kind of like so it feels more again it's a lot of people conversing from all different spots onto like the same area. I, I agree. And I, I think tailgating is also one of those things that it brings the fun, the excitement. I mean, that's a staple at like if you go up to Gillette, um, maybe more so for um, like Pats games because like th- they have yeah, it's massive. De- it's definitely an NFL thing. Um, but, you know, I there's there are some soccer stadiums that support it. And it's yeah, it's no, a lot I, I would agree. With you. It needs to happen. It should be a thing. Um, and they can make it exclusive if like they can't control it in the entire area. There's like in the renderings I saw. There's one specific parking lot. Like make that an expen a more expensive ticket, yeah. and and then make, also pay pay an extra yeah, pay it, five and, ten and bucks to a parking, and then you're isolated from it. And at least people are like, oh, I want to do that next time, or or just people walk over. That's where your event center is. I agree. You said something interesting about how Defiance um, could and should. I, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but I believe that they intend to make craft um, burgers and beer there. Um, meetup place like their official like supporting restaurant i don't know if that's like for away days um or if it's for something else but then i think the plan was to your point is like to march to the stadium 
I would actually challenge that that would probably be a mistake. I think you want those people on site. So for the club, they should they should produce a like area that's controlled, whether that's through like fences or like you know like sectioned areas, like like to like cage those animals up. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, no, I get what you mean. But like, like they I'm should just, have it. Think, but they need the the defiance is going to be the biggest sporting fans in the group. They're going to be the loudest ones. They're going to be the ones attracting attention. And they don't have the responsibility of bringing people in. But they are like your poster child to do it. And that doesn't mean that they have to get people for their own group. They just have to get people attracted to Rhode Island FC. So I actually think that they should be front and center. They should be having a party. They should be having a great time. Like wherever the main entrance that your your casual fairweather is walking in from, they should see that group, and that's that's what it is. So I actually would I would challenge Defiance and like don't do that long walk like, or do it yeah, so well, early that you I, show up I and just, then you tailgate right then and there. You know, I've I've seen this is just more of a I don't know, maybe more of a European soccer thing, but I've I've seen a lot of you know cool videos of like supporters like marching down the town. Oh yeah, going to the stadium. I it, it's not exactly the, the same, but I remember when I went to a Portland game years and years ago and like the way that there was no parking next to the stadium and it was just that cool. Like all of the Portland fans were just but did walking Portland down have tailgating. Um, no, but that's my point, right? And you yeah, don't, you, kinda, you, you bring everyone thing, and you walk in, right? Like you, we rally the yeah. troops. If you can have tailgating on site and if that's Rhode Island FC's intent, the sports have to be right there. They have to be generating the buzz. They have to bring in the heat. They have to bring in the excitement. So, we'll, I mean, we'll figure that. that's their job. We're just giving out the freebies here. Like, what do we know, right? Um, so, I think that's all good and done. And I, I think we mentioned this also, too, but the last two stadium pieces I want to share, I really want to see a budget night. I've been looking around USL, and there's a lot of clubs that do, especially on the weekday draw matches, where, like, it's harder to bring people in. They'll do, like, one a, one a season or, like, one every like on one half of each side of the season's performance they'll do like that family night where it's like two dollar hot dogs two dollar you know bud lights there was a was it a year or two go back when um phoenix rising was doing really well and they were like undefeated on dollar beer night so yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and then i think there's another club that's actually rallying to that now because they bring like they max the capacity of the stadium for the night that's an absolute must this club has to do um, and if they don't, like, again, we're giving you free ideas here, but like, that should be a focal because you can bring the kit. Like, there are people that it's not spending $20, like, just assume it's $20 for fun, right? It's not, it's not spending $80 for a family of four. It's that actually spending like $255 to get them fed, to get them cotton candy, to get everyone a beverage. And like, maybe each of the kids gets like, I don't know, a, a sticker. Like, it, it can, it can rack. I mean, that's the point of doing a business like this. Like, you make that money, but, at the beginning, they need to be strategic about using. That's like the best weapon you have in your arsenal to bring people out, especially at Bernie when like it's probably going to be a little more difficult in general. Like I really encourage. I hope the say. I hope the club listens to this and says like, yeah, that's a great idea. Again, you can have it for free. And the last one is we got. I, I think you had the greatest idea ever, and I, I don't know if we teased this on another episode, but the stadium celebration. Oh, and this was, we talked about this in episode zero. Oh, is that why? I knew we had talked <laughs> yeah, about it. The, the, the non-existent episode. <laughs> so, so listeners, this is, this is our idea. If you want to get behind it, comment or, or, you know, call the FO. But every club tends to have like their unique way of celebrating, right? Like I think of the Timbers when they saw the tree, uh, Montreal rings the bell at uh, the Big O and 
Oh, and then uh, the revolution. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why would I even miss the revolution? They do the they do the firing of the cannons and the guns. So for us, we think that there should be an anchor that's positioned out outside of the stadium and it's at like a like a height of like twenty feet. And we're talking like a big enough anchor. Like we're not talking yeah, a little so baby can, anchor. You like you can see the anchor stadium. at all times. And when that when we score a goal and it's been confirmed and there's no VAR pullback, you drop that thing. You just <laughs> drop that thing into the water. Maybe a foghorn goes off. Accidentally sink that guy in the boat out there. Like, hey, you weren't supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you here. don't park. You don't, you don't park your boat there. We burn it, and then you just raise it back up. And we're not saying that because that's the name of this podcast. I mean, obviously, like if we got that, like how how cool would that like the foresight of saying that. But you just raise that bad boy back up, and then if it happens again, boom, you drop it again. Like that would be the coolest thing it, in the world. It's so ridiculous, it, but it would be so much fun. You, you know, you highlight it and everyone would be cheering on it. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and now that I think about it too, you don't even have to drop it in the river, although that'd be cool. You could just create like a well, you know, just drop it in there, hoist it back up. Like and people could, oh, people could throw coins in to donate for like charity. Oh my God. Rhode Island of Yeah, it's got to make, it's got to, I mean, even if it is a well, it's got to have some water. Like, cause you want, you want the oh, splash. Big splash. Yeah. Big splash. yeah just, like, you don't go to watch like Shamu in a in SeaWorld and not want him seeing Splash. You go there because you want to see a poor animal caged up and, you know, having to swim in its life in captivity, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, tangents. Um, we want to share kind of what's going on in the club. So, Jason, what do we got going on uh, around Rhode Island FC right now? All right. So, like we mentioned at the uh, top of the show, there is a Women's World Cup going on. By the time this is out, though... Um, you know, we're going to be near the end. There's been some watch parties at the Guild um, in Pawtucket and do, Warren. Do you think the Guild will be open for the World Cup tomorrow morning? Um, the final, 6 a.m.? I mean, they should. Do you think Rhode Island <laughs> FC is going to... So Rhode Island FC has been at a lot of the watch parties just like they were sponsoring the World Cup for the men's. Um, How long does it take for PVD Donuts to sponsor? <laughs> can they just can they show up there and... Just bunches of donuts and, and yeah. Guild beer. I love like oh, I love it. Yeah, so, I mean the Guild has been awesome. By the way, for great. those Let's who have never it. been, um, regardless of Rhode Island FC, like I can't think of a cooler place um, to drink and to watch soccer. And if you don't drink, just go to have fun and watch the game. It's a great beer hall in terms of like size and, and structure, and the products and the drinks are tasty. So um, I, I think we're going to be there. I'm going to make the commitment now. So if you're hearing this and you want to meet us, you want to hang out. We'll be at the um, at the World Cup final at 6 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. And then what else have we got going on? So, unconfirmed, but sources are that the club might be at a uh, little brew at the zoo. Oh, Roger Williams? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, they'll be potentially hanging out. Yeah, I think that's right. They haven't really uh, formally announced it yet, but they're looking to potentially set up shop at uh, brew at the zoo at Roger Williams. So, if you're going to that, uh, say hi to the gang. Um, and make sure that you say that we brought you there and that, you know, it was us and not like animals or drinking. And that was the reason you showed up. <sighs> so, uh, on that note, you know, I think the only last thing I want to share is, like I said, listeners have been providing some really great feedback. Um, but we also got a few questions. So for those of you that are interested in communicating with us, we will try to scrape and look at all of our socials, um, on the, on the weekly to see if there's any comments or things that we can bring up as discussion topics. But we did get two listeners who listened to episode one and already reached out. So uh, do you want to do you want to give the honors of reading these questions? All right, let's do it. So uh, we got this one here from Jonathan. What day of the week will your podcast come out? And uh, will you be interviewing the club? 
So do you think Jonathan goes by Jonathan, or do you think he goes actually by John, but had to fill it out as Jonathan? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, is it one of those things where like he goes by John in person, but then when he puts his name on things, my friends call me John. You will call me Jonathan. Uh, so, so Jonathan, uh, great questions. Um, I think we've already kind of announced those, though, um, in the socials. I know if you listened to episode one, we weren't really sure. So our intent is to record on Thursdays for the time being and have an episode out for you on Fridays. We think this will go good with kind of a recap of whatever happened the week prior, any news to get you set, and then, of course, speculation on the match to come as we work through those moments. So uh, goal is record Thursdays um, and in coming out Fridays, and then yes, we will be interviewing club um, the the club uh, front office as well as um, the coaching staff and the, the players. Once we get those opportunities, we've already had great dialogue and conversations with the front office, and are setting up those uh, in the weeks to come. So you should start hearing directly from Rhode Island FC uh, in uh, the next few episodes of the podcast. What else we got? All right, and we got another one here from Derek, and he's asking us, uh, "Do we work for the club?" <laughs> you know, I guess that's a that's a good question because we didn't really ever address it. So, you know, we probably should make sure we separate and, yeah. and say it. I mean, you know, it would be cool to <laughs> work for a soccer club, but this is uh, this is a bit of a more of a passion project of ours. Um, Professionally independent. Yeah, we are trying to uh, remain neutral in this obviously we are we are excited soccer fans um so we are going to be pro rifc but at the same time we are going to be try to be critical and kind of hold them to you know if they tell us something we're going to say okay well please put put your money where your mouth is like show us the goods exactly yeah yeah no we we want to be unaffiliated but represent the brand represent the club um, and try to just cement ourselves as the best, if not at least the first, because it's always easy to be first at something, right? <laughs> um, but we don't work for the organization. If our if Rhode Island FC wants to pay us or sponsor us or just cover the server costs, that works for me. I, I you know what I want honestly from Rhode Island FC. All I want is uh because uh, I've seen it on some of the other clubs like Louisville does this. Like oh, you want to engage with the fans? Like here's the supporter group link. Here's our podcast network links, and they've got like three at Louisville. Like that's all I want, Rhode Island. That's that's all I want. Let's talk. Like give yeah. me on give me on Rhode Island FC.com. Give, give a little shout out. Yeah, that's all we want. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, not not officially with the group. So um, maybe one day, but for now we will be independent and unaffiliated, and just try to make sure we represent the listeners' interest, the supporter group's interest, and the club's interest to build soccer in Rhode Island. So on that note, hey Jason, uh, where? Where do you think we're going to go next? How do you feel about the the overall trajectory of the podcast, of the club? We, you feel like we're in a, in a better space than we were when we started this a f- few weeks ago? Yeah, I think we're I think we're doing pretty good. Um, I don't think I said anything too dumb this episode. <laughs> I mean, if I did, it was intentional. <laughs> ah, there you go. Love it. Love um, it. You know, it we're. St- the t what is it uh march is when the season starts so we've got you know we're we're still in the middle of a usl season this year so we've got some time we uh we did meet with someone from the club we we've got some plans we we kind of want to talk to pretty much all of them agreed we've learned some, some point, really fun, you know, fun stories fascinating information that we can't quite share just yet so yeah we're we're, we're looking to uh you know try and you know, get a bunch of information out there for everyone 
to, uh, you know, to learn about the club as we learn about it ourselves too, you know? Couldn't put it any other way. I, I agree. Lots of great things on the horizon for Rhode Island FC and lots of great things on the horizon for Raising Anchor. So on that note, Jason, where uh, where can they find us these days? Okay, so is it is it called X now? Or <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I thought Microsoft. Twitter, Twitter X, I don't it, know. Yeah. Isn't that a band or something? Or, it's the, or like, it's oh, the XX. When, when you're, it's the X, oh, when you're yeah. an edgy teenager and you just put a bunch of X's in front of you. Is he just an he's just an edgy billionaire. Anyways, we have one of those things. <laughs> a Twitter or an X, whatever you want to call it, at RAFC Podcast. Uh we're on threads at RAFC Podcast, Instagram at Raising Anchor, and uh our our website's actually live this time. I don't have to say how it's not really there. You can go to www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. And we're not plugging it, but there's some merch on there. Yeah, if you want to check it out. If you want to check it out. But no no pressure, no rush it's, just yet. It's, def- it's, you know. It's a work it, in progress. We've got some, some work. It's a work in progress. We've got some you know, maybe ideas for the future. But, you know, throw us a bone if you're you're interested to. Uh, like <laughs> already said, already paying you know, enough. <laughs> to uh, pay for the certain costs. Exactly. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure as always. Look forward to doing this again next week. Until then, uh, anchors up. Anchors up. Always a great time. Catch you later, man. Bye, guys.